The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July 25th, 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz, and with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Well, it's kind of a cloudy day here in, in Sonoma County. You know, it's kind of interesting when you start thinking half the world is burning up with overheat, and here we are. We're, we're in the studio, and it's kind of chilly. I mean, my heart goes out to all those people across the globe that are struggling, that are struggling because of what's happening with climate change. And I just want to mention something also. You know, it's very interesting that our Supreme Court just uh, overturned the uh, EPA's authority over climate troll. And I think it's very important that as citizens that we write our government and we say this is totally unacceptable. I mean, what kind of future are we having for our children? Well, I'm really honored today. You know, joining me in the studio is attorney, uh, uh, mitigation specialist, and investigator Nancy Permanton, who is a member of the Committee for Law Enforcement Accountability now, and they're and, and it's called Clean. They call themselves Clean. It's cleaning up some of this stuff in this in this county, for God's sake. And the Community Advisory Council of Independent Office of Law Enforcement Review and Outreach, and that's called Ilero, and she is on there. I believe she's on your board. They're on there, the CAC, right? The Community Active. Yes, that's correct. Right, she's also doing that. And also she's an attorney here in Sonoma County. And, you know, this is the last Monday of the month. And where did July go? I mean, my God, I just opened the door and it was June. And now here we are, the last Monday of the month. And, of course, we're going to do that wonderful Women's Spaces Pledge. And, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, before the show, uh, Nancy and I had a conversation about the pledge, about the use of, of higher power. And I want to remind folks once again, you know, that's my word. You know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to bring in a universal concept. But for heaven's sakes, you know, use your word. You believe in Jesus. You believe in the higher power. You believe in the great spirit. You believe in the stars and the sky. You know, whatever it is that your belief system is that gives you that feeling that you live in this mysterious universe and just feel, feel free to in, inject that. You know, it's, I'm, not the, I'm not the final word, just like God's not the final word. Elaine's not the final word. So, you know, put your, put your, own, your own thing. Nancy said she's going to bring her ancestors in. And it's really interesting because I just looked at when I was on the Internet today, somebody put a beautiful little poster up. And it was a little leaf coming up with a woman talking to a Native American girl. And it, it was like your ancestor was in that tree. I mean, I just think it's a beautiful, a beautiful concept. Well, I have a few shout outs to do before we do the pledge. And of course, we do our history of this strength. And just to let you know that yesterday was Amelia Earhart's birthday. And what was really struck me when I was reading about Amelia Earhart and some of the uh, adventures these people went on in order to get a plane up in the air. In fact, once I was on a, a, a business trip and I was sitting next to an aeronautic engineer and he was explaining how planes fly and I finally told him, I says, you know, 
I, I realize it's a miracle. I, you don't have to explain anymore. But the thing that's so interesting to me is here you have this divine miracle, an airplane. Human beings looked at a bird, said the bird could fly. I want to fly. You know, actually, Etta James uh, recorded a great song, I Can Fly. I mean, just the idea of flight, being go, you know, resisting all this gravity to get up in the air and to think that you can get to New York in like four hours, you know, and you can go across the, the all the way to Europe. But what do they do? Okay, how did they, of course, design the plane after the bird. They probably cut it, dissected, looked at how it did. And then one day somebody saw the bird crapping. And all of a sudden said, gee, I wonder if I could put a bomb in there. You know, and that was World War I, the first war. We had aeronautics. For the, can you imagine? We had this beautiful invention. And what do we do? We put a bomb on top of it. I mean, you know, it's a sad word, folks. It's really a sad world sometimes. You know, and if we as women, and why do I say we as women? We are the birthers. We bring forward life. We have the right to choose whether we want to bring forward life, but boy, when we bring it forward, I mean, I have two great-grandchildren now, and when you're a great-grandmother, you really can observe how much energy a woman has to put into a child in order to develop it and help it grow. And I say as women, we must stand up and say enough is enough. We will, do not want to send our children to wars anymore, and darn it, clean up this environment. I mean, just it, it's so simple to me, and yet it's so complex. Because when you put greed and you put money and you put power before everything else, it's just a downside. Well, that's enough of my rant. As you can tell, I'm a little bit, you know, when I heard, when I heard Amy Goodman and I was listening about these children, I said to myself, what in the world are we doing, for God's sakes? Well, I want to do a shout out. Athena House, as you know, they're looking at closing it, but a, a, a group of really dedicated young women, I'm really sorry, they had their wonderful gala, and I want to thank all the people that showed up. You know, they sold out, you know, they, I know they did a great fundraiser, a fundraiser, excuse me, and next week, and next show, next week's show, I'm going to have all the information about how much money they raise and also how people can donate. I know there's two things, ways you can uh, donate to Athena House. The first way is you can go on their website, Keeping, uh, keeping uh, Hope Alive, and that's one way you can find out how to send a donation to them. The second, the second way you can do it is they have a, a have, uh, on Go Funding, they have, a, they have a request for funds, so that's another way that you can do it. And a reminder again, another organization very, very important in this, uh, in this community is the Peace and Justice Center, and we're good, they're going to be doing on August 13th, that's Saturday, August 13th, uh, Raise the Roof Festival. And that's going to be the reason they call it Raise the Roof is because they got a leaky roof. You know, they need about $12,000. And, you know, I put a new roof in my house, so I know how expensive it is. And they have like a little special area that takes a, a little bit of extra work so I believe they need between ten and twelve thousand dollars so if you if you have any questions you know or you want to find out about them go to the peace and justice website and they have all the informations or give them a call and also it's going to be happening from on August 13th from 12 to 8 p.m. at the Mono Rio Amphitheater Amphitheater Boy, I'm not pronouncing my words right today. And we've got my favorite group. I can't believe it. 
Midnight Sun is going to be there. Also, uh, the Amour Band, I guess they're dedicated to love. And then Ben Roots, which is a fabulous, fabulous group. And if you have any questions, call the Peace and Justice Center and talk to Shakina Black, and she'll be happy to set you up. Well, like we do every Monday, our history is our strength. Now, why do we do that? I'll tell you why I do it. Maybe it's selfish for me because when I do the research and I find out what women have done, it gives me courage. It gives me strength and it gives me hope because I see some of the obstacles that they have overcome. I mean, when you think about it, when you think about it, when we first got the vote, it took us over 70 years before we got the vote. That was a commitment from women standing up. So it's very, very interesting when you start thinking about history. And when I went to Sonoma State, you know, that's where the uh, Na uh, National History Alliance is being, is actually began. And I was very good friends with Molly McGregor. And we're walking, we're walking from one class. And, and uh, Molly says to me, you know, Elaine, did you know there were women in art? And I said, what? There's women in art? I never thought of a woman as an artist. I mean, it was amazing. And when all of a sudden we found out there were women in art, it was coming out of the ceiling. It was so many women that nobody ever heard about. And J.J. Wilson at Sonoma State wrote a book, and that was the first book that acknowledged women in art, and they went on to do the Women's History Project. And that was in, in uh, the 70s. We had no idea of history. I mean, we knew about Amelia Earhart, but we didn't know about Ida B. Wells. You know, we didn't know about some of the women who did some of the things that they did. We didn't even know. I never knew about the suffrage movement until I went back to school. I didn't even, I, I, just, I just voted. I never knew that it took 70 years. I mean, I was a late bloomer, I'll admit it. But, you know, there's a lot of history that we don't know, and it's very important. So that's why I feel every week I want to do our history as our strength. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting. One of my favorite people, and I just love her, and I know that, uh, I know that uh, Nancy's going to appreciate this. She was born July 24th, 1920, and she made her transition in 1998, and that's Bella Asbuk, the lawyer, political activist, a congressional representative from New York in 1973 to 1977, and initiated the proposal for Women's Equality Day. And it's so interesting, Women's Equality Day. We still don't have an Equal Rights Amendment, but we have Women's Equality Day. I mean, I have to scratch my head on that one. Bella was an amazing woman, an amazing lawyer. She stood up for women. Another person that I really feel is worth, worth mentioning is she was born July 27, 1891, and she made her transition in 1980. Wow, just, you know, a few, about, what, about 30, 40, 50 years ago. Myrtle Lawrence, she was a sharecropper. Now imagine this, a sharecropper and a labor organizer. She worked within the Southern Tenant Farmers Union from 1936 to 1943 and was honored on the 1976 Bicentennial Freedom Train Exhibition. So happy birthday, Myrtle. What a... What an amazing accomplishment this woman had. You know, she was, you know, here she did, she, she developed a union for tenants to help people get some equality. Can you just, just look at the news today, the way they bang people when they try to do something good. Imagine a woman standing up back then. I mean, after 1920, when we got the vote, we, little by little, we start getting things. But man, these women that were born in 1879, I mean, they couldn't even own a home. 
you know, up until 19, up until 1964, I could not get birth control without my husband signing a, a statement that I could have birth control. You know, so imagine what these women went through. And then one of my favorites, if you've ever seen, uh, if you've ever watched Iron Jawed Angels. In fact, I hope I hope to be doing another presentation sometime this year, showing that movie. And you see the uh, suffrage. Uh, Lucy Burns, she found the National Women's Party. And you know, you know, this was so interesting in doing the research and finding out that we even had a National Women's Party. I mean, I think we need to activate it. I think we need a National Women's Party. And I think, I think the idea behind the party should not be that we have to have people running, but we have a say, we evaluate. You know, the League of Women Voters is very interesting. They do not evaluate. They just let you know the facts. We need a group of women that actually evaluate each each candidate. Let us know whether they, they believe in the right to cho choose. Let us know if they're anti-war. Let us know if they are for Medicare for all. Let us know if they're for our children. And make put fire to their feet. If you have an organization, I know being part of the National Organization for Women, the Sonoma County chapter, when we show up, we show up with 250,000 women nationwide, 225 in our own county. There's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of power in that. There really is. So the Women's Party is really something I was, you know, I, if Susan Lamont's listening out there, you know, Susan, that's what we need to do. We need to start looking at how do we form a party that specifically addresses women's needs and also has some clout. In other words, that we have representation that they know that we, they better win us over or we're not going to vote. And we still have the vote, although, you know, that's another interesting thing. You know, I had this dream that I was marching, and then all of a sudden this group of men just came up to me and said, Elaine, what are you marching for? I, said, I want to vote. Your vote doesn't count. And I started to cry, and I just withered. And then I woke up. I was startled. And then I realized it's all propaganda. You know, 422 people did not vote when we had the sheriff's race. That's how close it was. And I thought to myself, 422 people didn't vote. Well, first of all, it gives my vote more power. That's number one. But number two, 422 people who had absentee ballots in their kitchens did not take the time to fill it out. You know, we have an a, 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 a election coming up in November, you know, we're going to have something like, uh, is it going to go on the Constitution of California to have uh, make abortion okay, and that women have a right to choose, you know, and I'm afraid, I'm afraid that people are not going to come out to vote, oh, my vote doesn't count, oh, it doesn't matter, get yourself an absentee ballot, and I have to confess, I have to confess, when I get my ballot, no matter how well I read, I still don't know half the things I'm voting for, so what I do is I depend on the League of Women Voters for their recommendation. The Democrats give me, a, a, even the Republicans, you can go look at their slate to see who they're, who they're going to be voting for. And also one of the things that I try to do is try to find one category where maybe I can vote for someone in the Green Party or the, or the Peace and Freedom Party. You know, So I'm kind of spreading my vote out. You know, I'm actually thinking about becoming an independent. I mean, I'm a little bit disgusted with some of the things. But as much as, as good as they're doing, the Democrats, they're not doing enough. They need to be more, I hate to use the word aggressive, but I will in this case. What I really mean is they have to be more assertive and speak out for things. Well, one last thing, you know, and this woman is 
of an amazing woman, Eleanor Smeal. She's a woman rights activist, co-founder, and president of the Feminist Majority Foundation, which she started in 1987. And she was one of the she was one of the publishers of Miss Magazine, and she was also president of the National Organization for Women from 1977 to 1982 and 1985 to 1987. Well, I must be in her club because I was the president for our chapter here for about five years. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited. I want to, I want to look here at the um, the Feminist Majority Foundation. is very, very interesting. It was found by uh, other uh, some other women: Peg Yorton, Eleanor Smart, Catherine Spiller, Tony Cabarillo, and Judith Merrill. And the foundation's mission is to create innovative, cutting-edge research, educational programs, and strategies to further women's equality and empowerment and to reduce violence towards women to increase ease and ease the health and economic well-being of women and to eliminate discrimination of all kinds. You know, eliminate discrimination of all times wouldn't that be great and you know something ladies we are still discriminated against we are still shot down we are still made fun of and the fact that they want to take choice away from us you know i mean think about that we've had choice for 50 years and i found something very interesting in that initiative that really blew me away out of the water in that right to choose is a little section that says you have a right to refuse medical treatment from your doctor if you disagree with what they are telling you to do what they you know say you don't want chemotherapy say you want alternative that's going to be getting a little bit harder so you everybody's got to read that initiative everybody every woman out there has got to be aware and you know it's real funny it's real funny you always say Oh, I'm not going to need, I'm not going to need an abortion. You know, I don't believe, you never know when you're going to need something and you want it to be there. You know, I know for myself, I know for myself, you know, I had two weeks ago, I had the Gloria Allred out. She talked about her abortion. You know, I had, I've said this before, I had an aunt that did a backward, a backdoor abortion and we almost lost her. It was, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare, and it was a big difference when I was a counselor in school and abortion was legal, and I could help somebody go to a doctor and get one without having to have all this rigmarole. And what's so interesting, too, the majority of people that are supporting this are men, not women, men. I mean, there are some women out there, yes, you know, the churchgoer, you know, she's going to save the fetus no matter what, but the point is, it is driven by male energy. They don't have children. They don't bear the blunt. So there's a lot to think about. There really is a lot to think about. Well, in my mind, it's even more than thinking about things. You know, women have to learn to stand up. And I know for myself, you know, I went back to school when I was 30 years old. You know, I'm kind of a late bloomer. And the last class I had to take in order to graduate was public speaking. Oh, my God, I thought I'm going to die. Public speaking, get up in front of a group? Never. I'll never do that. I go into the class. Now, mind you, I could not graduate. I could not get an Associate of Art degree if I did not take this class. 
This was mandatory with a capital M. I even asked them, is there any other, any subsidy? Oh, no, you got to take public speaking. Oh, my God. So I go into the class, and I sit way in the back of the room. I say, okay, Elaine, okay, they're not going to catch you. And then the teacher goes, one, two, three. Oh, my God, three was me. That rhymes. Three was me. I couldn't believe it. He says, come up. I come up in front of the class. First of all, I'm sick to my stomach already just looking at how many people are out there looking at me. And he says, all you have to do is say your name and your major. I could barely get it out of my mouth. And, you know, after the class, you know, because I was an older student, I was 30 years old, you know, and after the class, the teacher came up to me and he says, Elaine, why were you so nervous? Oh, I just start crying. I got all upset. He said, look, just bear with me. He said, one step at a time. It's okay. It's okay to be nervous. When he said it was okay to be nervous, I started, started to overcome my nervousness. Then he put me on the forensic team. Oh, my God. And I'm all of a sudden, I'm debating. Well, folks, I got to tell you something. I discovered my mouth. I discovered my voice. And I got news for you. I haven't been quiet since. And it was so interesting when I was at Sonoma State and I was chosen to be the, the speaker. And I thought, oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. And all of a sudden I realized, hey, wait a minute. What do you mean you can't do it? Just do the best you can. And let me tell you something. You go on www.womenspaces.com and you can listen to that speech. And every time I listen to it, I say to myself, how in the hell did I do that? You know how I did it? Because I let my self-esteem come forward. You know, that's why I do this pledge every at the end of the month. And I went to Staples. I think I've told this story before. I went to Staples, and I wanted to find out how many cards I bought. How many cards have I given out of these silly little cards with the self-esteem on it? Over 7,000. So there's 7,000 women out there can uh, hopefully can stand up and speak. So we're going to do the uh, pledge here. And I have, I have some guests. I have Ken here. I have Nancy here. I, is that Guzman out there? I have Guzman out there. And I have one of my favorite, favorite people in the whole world, Karen Elliott, out there. So why don't you guys, I gave you the, the little card. Give them the little card. So let's do the pledge together. So first I'm going to say it, and I made a little special one for, for Nancy here, for her, so she could have it to take home for herself as a memory of this wonderful experience on Women's Spaces. Okay, so are we all ready? I'm going to say it first, and then you repeat after me. And then I'm, then I'm going to say it by myself, and then we're going to say it all together. Okay, okay. I'm going to say it first. And then you, you just say everything I said afterwards. And for you guys listening out there, if you're driving your car, don't, go, don't shut your eyes. Pull over if you want to, but just listen to the pledge. And for you guys that are sitting in your nice kitchen having a cup of coffee, just relax. Okay, let's go. I'm going to say it first. My self-esteem. My self-esteem. Does not depend. Does not, not depend, depend on anything. On anything. Outside. Outside of me. Of me. My self-esteem. My self-esteem depends. Depends on my relationship. On my relationship with myself. With myself and my higher power and my ancestors. Wow, it's wonderful when you hear all these people. I'm going to have to take a swig of water because I got so excited listening to everybody that I my voice dried up. You know, I wrote that self-esteem for my grandson Ryan. 
he went to, he was at daycare one day and he came out crying and he said, I said, what are you crying about? He says, my teacher called me a bad boy. He says, your teacher doesn't determine who you are, Ryan, or your self-esteem. You determine it. And you repeat after me and I made this up. And then I wanted to have something to be a signature show for women's spaces, and that's what it is, the pledge. So I'm going to say it now. Just absorb it, and then we're going to all say it together. I'm just going to say it by myself. Just take it in. You know, I always say to people, it's a little bit hokey, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I mean, I've given, I've given speeches and, and, and I've done it. And all of a sudden, at the end of the speech, everybody comes up, oh, this was great. At first, they think, hmm, well, if you're thinking that, Get that thought out of your mind. Just do it. Just do it and enjoy it. And I recommend people uh, do it at least five times a day. And also, if you want a copy of the pledge, you can go on Women's Spaces, www.womenspaces.com, and you can print a, 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 a copy. Okay, here we go. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. I'd like to change that right now. Myself and my my great and the great spirit. That's a Native American way. The great spirit, the all-encompassing mystery. I mean, you know, we all believe in the parking lot fairy. You know, I mean, come on. There's something in this universe that when if you just calm down, you know, if you just look at a tree and just talk to the tree for a second, you see what I'm talking about. So just relax, relax in the, this idea. So now I have this wonderful chorus in the room with me, and we're going to all say it together. I'm going to do one, two, three, and then we're going to do it. One, two, three. My, My self-esteem self does, does not depend on anything outside of me. me. My, my self-esteem depends on my relationships with myself and my, and my higher power. Amen. A woman. A universe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's a lot. That's what I call a positive, happy morning. <laughs> you know, Excellent. we wake up feeling good, you know, do the self-esteem uh, pledge, you know, listen to women's spaces. And now, now we're going to play a great song. And, you know, the song I picked... It's, uh, it's I, you know, they had Elvis Presley came out, you know, the new movie, and I, I have to, oh, my God. I mean, Elvis Presley's part of my generation. I mean, I can't fool myself. He was the most handsome man I've ever laced my eyes on, and he had a voice to kill for. But I haven't listened to, I haven't listened to his music for a long time, but, of course, we, Ken and I, I dragged him to see the movie, and all of a sudden, some of these songs start coming up, and he sang this song, If I Can Dream. And I look, I listened to that song, and I, I never really paid attention to the to the lyrics. And I said, it's so true. If I, I'm dreaming of a better world, I mean, that's what women's spaces is all about. It's trying to make space for women to talk about what they're doing. Ordinary women doing extraordinary things. I mean, today we're going to be talking. I'm going to be talking with Nancy, and she. We're going to be talking about. Uh, the uh, independent law enforcement organization here in Sonoma County that's supposed to be bringing accountability. We just had Measure P. 63% of the people voted to have accountability oversight in Sonoma County. And you know something? It all came out of dreams. It all came out of visions. It all came out of people getting together and saying, what if we had something like this? Would it help? And then you start visualizing, and then you, then you go home, and you lay down, and you think about what a great thing it would be. Well, that's what this song, 
reminds me of. So, but of course, this is women's spaces. So you're not going to hear Elvis Presley. You're going to hear Kina Karina Jarak, who does a wonderful, wonderful version of it. And when we return, joining me in the studio is attorney, migration speci- uh, specialist, uh, investigator Nancy Permanton, who is a member of the Committee of Law Enforcement Accountability now, and their acronym is CLEAN. And, they, and she's also on the Community Advisory Council of the Independent Office of Law Enforcement Review and Outreach, which is called IOLERO. And IOLERO is what uh, Measure P, all this grew out of to give more accountability in our, uh, in our county. And when we return, we will be talking about all the issues around uh, this uh, Measure P and what's going on, trying to implement it into the county, which is... You know something, counties are very difficult to deal with. It doesn't happen overnight, but thank goodness we have people like uh, Nancy Permanton. And also I want to do a shout-out for my friend Jim Duffy who helped me organize this and then thank him for his intelligence because <laughs> he has a way. And for my friend Susan Lamont, if you're out there listening, Susan, we, we stood together hip-to-hip during the Andy Lopez situation, which this evolved out of. So this is a real strong and very important program, and I'm looking forward to having this discussion. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play this song, and then we'll get on with the interviews.
I must be a genius. I didn't realize that on the clean, the last letter for N is now. Do it now. And that's what she's saying. If we could dream, hey, I'm dreaming that one day we have accountability and oversight. And the county quits fighting it, for heaven's sake. It's good for all of us, the police included. It gives them some sort of guidance, some sort of parameters, you know, some sort of support. Oh, well. Anyway, for all you just joining, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And without further ado, I want to introduce my special guest joining me in the studio, attorney, migration uh, specialist, and investigator, Nancy Permperton. Welcome, Nancy. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you very much, Elaine. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's fun having you. I'm really happy. I'm really happy that we're covering this topic because, as you know, you know, I worked very hard. We, there was a group of activists here in the community that we were relentless to get something like this going in our community and in the honor of honoring young Andy Lopez and the horrible, horrible death that happened to this young 13-year-old boy. I can't believe he would be 21 years old today. Well, if it's okay with you, if I can just tell our folks just a little bit about you. You have a very impressive uh, uh, resume, I must say. Nancy Permanton is a member of the Committee for Law Enforcement Accountability now. CLEAN, C-L-E-A-N, and the Community Advisory Council of the Independent Office of Law Enforcement Review and Outreach, IOLERO. She is committed to ensuring vigorous civilian, I love that, vigorous civilian oversight of law enforcement in Sonoma County. An attorney, a mitigation specialist, and investigator, Permanton conducts conducted capital and non-capital investigations at the trial and post-trials of litigation throughout the United States and internationally until her retirement in 2014. You really retired? I (laughs) am. (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) I'll never buy that, Nancy. (laughs) Permanton was co-founder and serves on the board of the Institute for International Criminal Investigation, an international NGO, that trains professionals in the art and science of investigating war crimes, crime against humanity, and acts of genocide. Oh, wow, that's a real responsibility. She also volunteers with the Sonoma chapter of the ACLU, NorCal, and the Center for Justice and Accountability, and the uh, Akhenandi Foundation. That doesn't sound retired to me. (laughs) Does that sound retired to you, kids? (laughs) I guess it's just I don't get paid for it. For many of those people. In other words, your organizations. Just like me, I'm retired, but I'm a, it's a volunteer. It's like it's like all of a sudden you get to do your, your labors of love, you know, it's amazing. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, for starters, Nancy, you know, I, you know, Iolera, which is the, in, let me, let me just go back on this. It's the independent office. What is Of that? law enforcement. Review and outreach. And outreach. Give us a little bit of background about that. I know for myself, you know, we spent, a group of us spent almost three years working on the Andy Lopez situation. And, and, and we didn't just work on it. I mean, we turned up at every meeting that you could imagine. And the resistance that we saw was amazing. And the biggest resistance was, in my memory, is that we had this one meeting where they debated almost a whole meeting about the word oversight. Like it was a dirty word, you know, Uh, they needed, you know, accountability. But oversight, 
is, is a different than accountability because you have to have oversight in order to see if you're accountable. You have to be looking in in order to find out what's going on. So give us a little uh, background on ILRO, how it came about, and what is this mission and its early beginnings and some of the struggles that it might be having now. Okay, well, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of information to impart, but I'll try. As you said, Elaine, and as you were obviously part of, after Andy Lopez is just horrific killing. There was a lot of community outcry, and the Board of Supervisors finally responded by setting up the CAIA task force that met for a few years. And as tragic and as horrible as Andy's killing was, it wasn't the first or only incident involving law enforcement misconduct. In fact, back in 2000, the commission, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights had come out here and held hearings on the abuses of law enforcement in Sonoma County, and they recommended at that time, back in 2000, that there ought to be civilian oversight of a variety of law enforcement agencies, not just the Sheriff's Department, the Santa Rosa Police Department, and others. And um, unfortunately, nothing happened. There was no civilian oversight instituted, and as a consequence, the law enforcement agencies continued to abuse their power. Um, But Andy's killing galvanized the community, and people worked so hard, as you did, as 21 members on the CAI task force did. They came out with three recommendations. One was more police accountability. Second was community engagement with law enforcement. And third was community policing. And the Board of Supervisors established IOLERO as a result of those recommendations. So IOLERO started, um, it was a good start. But it was hobbled from the outset by both a lack of resources, which, uh, you know, they had just a teeny budget. There was enough funding only for two staff people um, and a lack of authority. They had no ability to force the sheriff's department to respond to anything. And Jerry Threat, their first executive director, did a wonderful job under those difficult conditions getting Iolero up and running. In the first year and a half, he conducted 28 audits of the sheriff's internal investigations of its alleged misconduct by its employees. He set up the procedures for doing the audits. None of this, he had to start from scratch. Um, He Create and he had to work with the sheriff's office to agree on how that was going to happen. And he was then, very dedicated. He was incredibly dedicated, and he did a great job of reaching out to a whole host of community members. And um, one of the terrific things that came out of that was a community engagement circle in which the community and sheriffs, members of the sheriff's department, sat and talked about the sheriff's cooperation with ICE. And as a consequence of that community engagement circle, there were changes. There was less cooperation that came out of that, protecting the people in our community who needed protection from ICE. So, um, and then came Measure P. And then came, well, yes. And as a consequence, after, you know, three, three years, four years of, of, uh, Iolero struggling to, to make a difference, four annual reports, which, you know, consistent, or three annual reports, which said, 
continue to say that there were continued problems, that there wasn't enough co- cooperation, and the Tubbs fires, which really made a, a, a dent in the, the both in the straining the relationships in the speed with which things were done. Measure P, a group of people said, we need to have an Iolero with more authority. We need to have an Iolero that demands and gets cooperation from the sheriff's department. We need an Iolero with enough resources to make a difference in the community. And so they started, they drafted Measure P. They started collecting signatures. I was part of that signature gathering. And then, lo and behold, what happened was COVID. And everything, we all know, shut down. But in spite of it, when the people went to the polls, 63%. 65%. Oh, 65%. Wow. Uh, yes, 65% of the voters in November of 2020 said, yes, they wanted a stronger measure. They wanted a stronger Iolero. They wanted a more vigorous, effective Iolero. Um, and it was, you know, it was a great outturn. And they did that in, in, in spite of the, op- you know, well-funded opposition by the Deputies Associations and the Farm Bureau. And yet 65% in November 2020 said, yes, this is what we want. It was beyond, actually, beyond. They put so much money into it. It was it was scary. And But it's still grassroots one. I mean, that's the most important thing. So now we had Measure P, and then all of a sudden here comes clean. So to me, you know, when I talk to Jim Duffy, because he's very involved, to me what clean sounds like is somewhat of a watchdog. Like they're there to make sure that things are going to happen. That it's not, they're just not letting it just go, oh yeah, we got it, you know, we're just, we have to make sure. So talk a little bit about clean, and then after, after you talk a little bit about clean, we're gonna take a short musical break, and then I want you to get into some of the issues that are around happening that may be preventing the, uh, the actual initiative, the actual Measure P from functioning as thoroughly and as good as it should. So talk well, a little bit about the CLEAN. So CLEAN is a, 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 an organization, a volunteer organization. We are a, sort of small in number, but we are scrappy and large in impact, I think. Um, it, it, the group of people came out of the people who were promoting Measure P um, and once we had that success, we wanted to make sure that that success was implemented, that Measure P actually became implemented. And so we have been working um, to do an, a whole host of things, um, including trying to get cities, uh, municipalities in Sonoma County, to also adopt civilian oversight. The Santa Rosa Police Department, the Petaluma Police Department, Roner Park Police Department, none of them are affected by Measure P or Iolero. So we are trying, we've been working with these local communities, urging them to adopt their own oversight provisions, uh, civilian oversight provisions. Um, we are also work, you know, working on looking at particular policies of the, of the sheriff's department. Uh, earlier this year, the state law required each law enforcement agency in the state to adopt a policy regarding militarized equipment. And they had to inventory their equipment, they had to make that inventory public, and they had to get that inventory approved by the, their, either the city council or the board of supervisors, um, as well as having to get approval for any new purchases. Um, there have, so there is a 
organization called Lexapol that drafts policies for law enforcement agencies, and they drafted a policy in response to this state law that is a little flabby, I would say. And um, we are working hard to try and get these city councils and boards of supervisors to adopt more more stricter policies. Well, you know, you use the word flabby. 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 You use the word flabby. And I think that's the importance of groups like Clean because they are flabby. And if we're not careful, people are not going to get what they need to have the accountability, as we have seen over the years. I mean, just for that that report in 2020 when they should have, it just should have solved, uh, 2000 rather, that was 22 years ago, and, and nothing was done. You know, you have to have the oversight. Right. Well, you know, I see... You know, it's very, very interesting. I don't know if we kind of bring this up now. I, I realize that CLEAN has just right now, there's some issues around the uh, Measure P as yes. far as how we're implementing them. And I know you just wrote a letter to uh, Linda Hopkins. And so I think what we need to do is we're going to just take a quick break, just to just take a deep breath. And then I'd like you to get into into a little bit more on the challenges and uh, what is happening. And I know there's, okay. there are three specifically very important ideas or implementations that people need to know about and need to write their board of supervisors and have, have them make an, an explanation of why this is happening. Okay. So let's go ahead. Let's make a quick piece. Let's only put a, a minute on, uh, Ken, and we're going to play a song. It's called The Times Are Changing. And why pick that song? Because the times are changing. You know, we need to be accountability. 65% of our population here in Sonoma County voted for that, and that's what we want. And also, I just want to make this announcement also. I have, I'm going to be reaching out to Melinda Hopkins and also anybody else that is from the group that is working on uh, this particular issues uh, in the county that would like to rebuttal what we're going to be talking about. They are welcome to call me. So let's go ahead, Tech. How's that so? Yeah. 
Yes, come senators and congressmen, heed to the call. You know, we've got these wonderful January 6th trials going on. For heaven's sakes, I've never seen so much information and so articulate. I could actually understand it. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt, and I'm talking with Nancy Pepperton, a member of Iolero, Measure P, and the Community Advisory Committee, CAC, on, uh, I guess, ILRO's board. That's wonderful. Well, let's let's talk a little bit. You know, from my understanding, Measure P was challenged by various organizations, you know, and it's being challenged now. So what, what is the challenge? What's going on? Give us a, an overview. The uh, deputies associations were unhappy with the procedure and which, by which Measure P got on the ballot. They thought that there's the Board of Supervisors should have engaged in what they call a meet and confer prior to placing it on the ballot. So, is that, uh, is that typical? Well, it, it the meet and confer it is required under certain circumstances. The county thought that the meet and confer should not have had to take place until after the measure, after it was determined whether the measure was going to pass or not. They said no, bef- they wanted it meet and confer to, ha- to happen before it went on the ballot. Um, so it was just a procedural complaint, uh, but they complained to the Public Employees Relations Board, which is known as PERB, and um, PERB agreed with the, the deputies associations. They said they should have, and what they did was to void and, and hold unenforceable several provisions of Measure P. So the county... Um, appealed that to the California Court of Appeal. Clean and the ACLU of Northern California filed a friend of the court's brief. Um, And the Court of Appeal, on July 23rd, agreed with the county. Um, And what they agreed was not whether or not it should have been, when, when the meet and confer should happen. They agreed that the PERB had not followed applicable case law in making its decision. So they sent it back to PERB and said, you need to reconsider using the correct application of the case law. Um, On that exact same day, the county announced that they had reached what are called letters of agreement. They had signed letters of agreement with the deputies association about the implementation of Measure P. Wait wait, wait a minute. They, They signed something with the county changing something that was voted on? Well, lawyers will disagree. As you know, lawyers will disagree. But in my personal opinion, yes, that's what they did. Um, and they did, they, we will find out if this ever gets litigated, we will find out who's correct. But yes, in my opinion, and I, in the opinion of other lawyers, um, and all of the members of CLEAN, uh, uh, on whose behalf I am speaking today, um, the Com- Community Advisory Council has held one meeting about this, and it's going to be holding another meeting on August 1st to discuss this issue, and I encourage people to attend that meeting. It's on Zoom the first Monday uh, of the month, August 1. You know, I tried to ask a question, and I couldn't get in. He never called me. I, 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 I guess I have to find out a little bit better. You know, I watched that meeting, by the way. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'm sorry that you were that that you didn't get in. Um, but I watched that meeting, and uh, I have to say that I was a little bit concerned because I didn't see enough fight against this. I didn't see enough discussion, or you know, there was there were two things that happened on that meeting that really got me confused. And the first 
thing that happened is there was some, I think there was something happening with the during the sheriff's election. Someone made a complaint about wearing a uniform or something, and that kind of was tossed when it should have been discussed before the election, not after the election. And then this came up, so it, it kind of it, it that's what really prompted me to do this this interview because I got because I'd worked so hard on it, I got disturbed. I have to be honest, you know, this is accountability. That was my motivation for inviting you. So go ahead, continue. I just had to put my no, two cents I, in. I, I, thank you, and I appreciate I, I appreciate your concerns, um, and uh, um, I will be sure that they're passed on. If they're not listening today, we'll see that they get passed on at the next meeting. But um, time's running so by. Time's running by. So let me just tell you very quickly. Be- before we before we go before we go because time before because time's going by. Mm-hmm. Next Monday, you know, I'm willing to do a part two on this. Oh. You know, and you can do it. You can come back to the studio, or you can do it over the phone. Whatever is easier. Yeah. But don't don't decide now. But okay. I'm just, I want to put that out. So go ahead. Good. Well, let me just say that there are three provisions that I think um, and Clean thinks have been substantially amended by these letters of agreement, and that uh, the Constitution and the Elections Code actually prohibit that from happening. Um, But unfortunately, because they're in the letters of agreement and the letters of agreement say that they take precedent, uh, precedence over the statute or the ordinance, it would probably require some litigation to resolve this. So the first thing has to do with whistleblower provisions. The whistleblower provision in Measure P says Iolero has the power to both accept and investigate whistleblower provisions. The letters of agreement essentially take away the investigative power um, and require I, would, would require ILO to turn any initial findings that they got from the, from the whistleblower over to the enforcing agency. Too often that enforcing agency is going to be the sheriff. So a complaint is comes going to be the problem. <laughs> yes, exactly. And nobody is going to make a complaint to to Iolero if they know that that's what's going to happen to it. Um, and even if with the promise of confidentiality in an organization the size of the sheriff's department, it's very difficult to maintain confidentiality uh, when they're investigating themselves. Secondly, they undercut the, the requirement that the sheriff um, cooperate with Iolero by saying that Iolero can request information from the sheriff, but saying nothing about the sheriff having to respond to those requests. And then finally, um, they limit the time period by which Iolero can conduct independent investigations of fatal incidents until after the sheriff has already conducted their investigation, and nothing in Measure P limited Iolero's investigation, independent investigation of fatal incidents in that p- way. So it sounds like they're trying to put a plug on it in a way. They're trying, to, they're trying to hold it back rather than move it forward. Well, that's certainly my feeling about it, yes. Well, you know, Nancy, there is so much to cover here. And what I would like to do, like I said, I'd like to do, there's a little more we have to cover. Mm -hmm. I think that would be very, very informative for the public. And also I want everybody to know that all the information that we've 
there's a letter. I don't know if I could if I could put this on my website. Sure. You know, there's a letter that was written to Linda Hopkins that we'll put on the website. Like I said, I'm going to contact Linda Hopkins. But unfortunately, we have run out of time. You know, an hour just goes by so quickly. So if they can give, if you can give your quick website, how they can get a hold of you, and any other information. So if you're interested, Clean has a, li- a email listserv, and their address is Clean Committee at gmail.com and if you write us we'll add you to our email list and you'll be able to see all of our work and um, get our updates and if there's anybody from the press or anything that might be listening that like to get a hold of you do you have an email or uh, yeah they can do they can reach me through the clean committee at gmail.com yes thank you well, I want to thank you, Nancy Permanton, for doing all this hard work and bringing in, and hopefully we'll be able to have you on next Monday because there's three other parts here that we have to go. Okay, thank you. Wow, this has been amazing. This is amazing. We want accountability in this county. You know, we really do. Anyway, this is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. I want to thank Nancy Permanton from Clean for giving us some insightful information and a little bit of an overview on what's going on and looking for accountability here in Sonoma County. This is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. I look forward to being with you the next time. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July 25th, 2022.